Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. And so this morning we're going to finish off with the master key. The master key and it, it links a little bit with uh, one of the other messages that we've looked at in this series and uh, I just want to open up with a few statements. So today is Father's Day, which uh, a lot of you already have mentioned. And so happy Father's Day again to all of the fathers and the soon-to-be fathers and um, those who are still aspiring fathers. Um, the blessing of our fatherhood is it's not just uh, um, limited to those, biolo- those of biological um, fatherhood. Within the Bible, we see fathers and mothers within the family of God. And as a, as a child of God, you get to father someone in the faith. And this has really been a blessing for me, and I'll open up with this, to have come from a, a background of having an absent father for most of my life, coming into the, the family of God and experiencing fathering through the family of God. And for those of you who know Shane specifically, he's played a, a huge role in fathering me in the things of God. And uh, some of you think that's, that's weird because he's only like, four, five years older than me. How can he father, father, how can someone father you if they so, so much, or not so much older than you are? Because fathering is not something that is determined by age. It's determined by maturity. And there's some of you thinking, but age is maturity. Is it? Is age maturity? Or uh, people uh, uh, link maturity to having gray hair. Is gray hair maturity really? Um, it can be. Praise God, it can be. But it's not always by default. And so the important thing is this. And uh, we need to understand that maturity comes by, not by chance, maturity in our Christian walk with God comes by intent. It comes by purpose. It comes by putting things in place and choosing challenging words, choosing to submit to, choosing to obey. Some of you are looking at me as if I said a cuss word. <laughs> Obey. Obey is not a, cu- a cuss word. And so um, I've been really blessed by, by the relationship that I had, have had with Shane in, in experiencing the Father heart of God. Because that is a beautiful thing with relationships. We get to see aspects of God through relationships. And it's never going to be perfect. Even in our biological relationships, our fathers and our mothers, it's never going to be perfect. Don't expect it to be perfect. Now, I'm not saying kind of fall back on that and make excuses. I'm not saying that either. But we need to understand that the relationships that we have, the healthy ones that we have, should be pointing us to God. Because that is what Shane did. He didn't point me to Him and made me dependent on Him as my father now. Because that's unhealthy. That's not what we're talking about. But He pointed me to the Father, heart of God, so that I started seeing God as my father more than any other man in this world. And at that time, my father uh, passed away, but two years, uh, two years before, I, before I met Shane, and I had a, um, a very unhealthy view of who God was, and I didn't see him as a father at all. And so I started seeing him as the father that he is, and that changed my whole walk, my whole life, literally. So much so that a few years later, um, I 
stopped the, 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 the study field that I was busy with, and I went into full-time ministry. And this was in 2012. So it's been many years of, of really growing in the Father heart of God and understanding this. And what a blessing to be here this morning and, yes, celebrate the biological fathers we have and the fathers we have in the family of God, but ultimately all of them should point to God, our Heavenly Father, and the blessing of knowing Him as that. Because if you don't know God as your father, you are missing out on life. You're missing out on life. This is the very reason Jesus was crucified, for calling God father. So up until that point, people didn't have a reference to God as father. They had a reference to God as he's, he's kind of untouchable and we need to appease him, we need to please him, we need to kind of do all of these things to be in right standing with Him. And Jesus came to put things in proper perspective by showing us the relationship He had with His Father so that we can have that same experience with Him. And so that's the invitation this morning as well for all of us to come to cut away the fluff, cut away the hurt, to push aside things that we've, we've experienced in this life because oftentimes an experience determines a belief system. Experiences we have oftentimes want to dictate and determine a belief or a worldview that we, we take on. And if I allowed my relationship with my father to determine the relationship I was going to have with God, it was going to be a poor one. It was going to be a horrible relationship. So I had to push that aside and say, Father, you show me. Here's a white canvas. You show me your heart. You show me what a father looks like. And I get to say today, I'm not a perfect father, but I'm very close to perfect. <laughs> I'm just sarcastic. A little bit of humor in between all of the seriousness. But if I just looked at things in the natural, my upbringing and the lack of fatherhood that I had and all of that, like I, in the natural, my life should be falling apart. My kids should be falling apart. But that's the blessing of giving God an open card, an open canvas, a white canvas, and allowing Him to start showing us His heart, His heart of fathering for us. Now let's get into some scripture. You guys can go to First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. We need to understand that in this life, there's, there's knowledge. And uh, since I quoted God will who quoted me, who quoted the Holy Spirit, um, uh, on, on knowledge. Like if, you, if your knowledge doesn't lead, or your learning doesn't lead to action, it's pointless. Like uh, even in this morning, we're going we're gonna to learn things and we're going to hear things. But if what we're hearing and what we're learning doesn't lead to action, it's pointless. That's not the point of learning. The point of learning is change, transformation. That's the point of us getting into the Word. I don't just want to preach a good message. And you walk out of here and be like, wow, Etienne, that was a good message. That was a good, like, good Word. And then I ask you, like, so what bless you from the Word? Jesus? That's a good answer. It's not a bad answer. Um, but it just shows me that you didn't listen. But we, so we want the word that we're receiving to impact our hearts. We want the, the teaching we're receiving to 
lead to transformation. And so it's important for us to ask questions, to dig into it, because there's a whole bunch of knowledge in this world, and there's a whole bunch of lack of knowledge, and then there's a whole bunch of wrong knowledge about the Father heart of God. And we want to cut away all of the, 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 the bad stuff so we can see, see the pure heart of God and experience Him for who He truly is. But before we get into, um, let's start off with 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. So this is talking about the will of God. Who will all men to be saved and to come unto a knowledge of the truth. If we're not growing in knowing God, we won't be able to lead others to salvation. What do I mean by that? So this scripture is saying that God's will is for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If we ourselves aren't growing in understanding, because understanding brings confidence. Can I get a, a head nod or amen? Understanding brings confidence. If you don't have understanding, you don't have confidence, which means that you'll never share the gospel with someone. So it's important for each one of us to determine to grow, to, to, to purpose growing in understanding, and especially in understanding the Father heart of God. Because the blessing that I had with walking in relationship with Shane, he pointed me to Jesus the whole time. Discipleship is pointing people to Jesus, helping people understand Jesus, growing in understanding Jesus. It's not about drawing people to self. It's not about drawing people to man. Too many ministries are built upon man. Built upon the guy up front with the fancy suit. Man, Africa is full of corrupt, fake ministers. The world is full of, but it's crazy what's happening in Africa. Where people are worshipping man. Under the label of Christian, Jesus, prophet, whatever. And it's because people don't get discipled into being children of God, followers of Christ. They're being discipled into men, not into Christ. Our calling is to disciple people into Jesus. To disciple people into experiencing God as their heavenly father. Discipling people into understanding that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that is operating in prophet so-and-so, apostle so-and-so, teacher so-and-so, your greatest, your favorite online teacher on gospel radio or gospel TV, I don't know what you're watching these days, um, YouTube, whoever that is, whatever anointing you see in them, that anointing is in you. Now, they might be expressing it differently, but that's a different story. Hopefully, they're expressing it in such a way that it's pointing you to Jesus, not to sit at their lips and wanting them to spoon-feed you for the rest of your life. Because some ministries are set up in such a way that they keep you just, just close enough to, to experience something and to have a, have a goosebump, but they don't get you to mature. Because if you mature you're going to go out and start your own ministry. And that's going to be a threat for them, right? Because we're in competition with one another. Because it's business, right? It's about finances. The bills need to get paid. None of this was in my notes. So uh, trusting that this is uh, blessing someone, it's blessing me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We need to 
Each one of us has a responsibility to cultivate and grow in our relationships with God. It's not something that you can bypass through someone rub their hand on your head and every Sunday and it's like, wow, my relationship with God is now amazing. Now I've got the, my boost for the week. Each one of us needs to determine and purpose this in our lives, cultivating knowing God more intimately, more personally. Romans 8.14 The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Now while I'm sharing the scriptures, there's a freedom that Christ came to bring us. But this freedom is not just going to be experienced by default. It's a freedom that is going to require you to also respond. Because a lot of Christians have experienced freedom in the sense that God's Spirit is living in them. They've experienced a form of salvation and one day when they pass on, they're not really passing on, they continue to live on eternity. So you guys know what I mean. So there's a lot of Christians who's experiencing that freedom. Freedom from never experiencing um, separation from God. But there's a freedom that God wants us to experience right now here on earth as it is in heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now that freedom that you desire to experience, that freedom from oppression, from depression, that freedom from having to live according to the society, the norm of, of things, just getting a salary, just getting enough to pay the bills and to buy a house, the freedom from comparison, the freedom from negativity, that comes through coming to know your heavenly Father. It doesn't come by you getting more money. All of those things are alive from the pit of hell. And it's got so many Christians caught up in this hamster wheel of life. Now I want to get into an interesting just thought quickly and I'll... I'll I'll share with you guys why we're going to look at this. I just want to look at the composition of the Bible quickly. And why we're looking at the composition of the Bible is because in order to enjoy a thriving relationship with God, we need to understand the Bible. Some of you are thinking like, but why? I can just like have God talk to me through, through an angel or He can talk to me through nature and it's going to be amazing. Like I'm going to know God because... He created nature, so like I can know Him through nature. I can, I can know Him through, through worship songs, right? So who needs the Bible? Like, let's just chuck this thing out, man. It's boring. So obviously I'm joking, and I'm going to make my point now. We need to understand the composition of the Bible because this is the only authentic, infallible way to know God truly. Is through His Word. This thing is a miracle. If you go and study out the, the, perse- uh, the perseverance of the Bible through the dark ages, how this was protected, it is a miracle, the composition of the Bible. And some of you don't value the Bible because you don't know what it's gone through. You don't know what people have laid their lives down for this to be available to us today. So if you don't know those things, you won't value it. So it's important to go and study some of these things out so that you can start valuing what you have. Otherwise, you're just going to have this as a, as a nice coast on your, on your coffee table. 
And God doesn't just want your Bible to be a coast on your coffee table. Amen? So just quickly, the composition of the Bible to understand this, because as we understand the composition of the Bible, it will help us enjoy relationship with God better and enjoy a thriving relationship with God. So quickly, this is going to bless you guys. If you have a pen and paper, make these notes, because this will stop you from playing Russian roulette with your Bible. God, give me a word. Okay. Okay, we'll generally end up in Psalms. Okay. Because <laughs> it's a big chunk of the Bible. Okay, but if we go the Russian roulette quickly, Ezekiel 18, verse 2. What mean ye that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? So... <laughs> So it's interesting, now I have to pray very hard to, to have God show me what does He mean with this. Like, well, how's this word, how's, how's this word applicable to me? Didn't I brush my teeth this morning? Or like, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, no, really, I did. Okay, jokes aside. There's a, there's a composition of the Bible that we need to understand. We can't play Russian roulette and take scriptures and verses out of context not understand the message of the bible the composition of the bible it's like it's like having a relationship with any human being like if we if we just see parts of the the character in certain settings or or you hear a story about someone via the grapevine someone tells you hey um this is who anna is you're going to meet her for lunch today um i haven't seen her in 10 years time but the last time I saw her, she was like this, this, and the next thing. So have fun, like enjoy the lunch with her. She, she really likes, um, what did you like 10 years ago or that you don't like today? Is there anything? Or is there something you like today that you... If there's like a, you guys get, you guys get the point, like people change. And so we need to get a fresh idea of who God is today. We need to, in relationships, grow daily in our relationship with one another. Not live on revelation from 10 years ago. Live on information from 10 years ago. We need to live on information of today, revelation of today, and tomorrow, tomorrows. And for us as a ministry, we've gone through a lot of changes the last few years because we're growing in revelation. And the church of God should be growing in revelation, but sometimes people like what they know, and they don't like what they don't know. Anyone here don't like what they don't know? It's nice to know what you know. It's not nice to not know what you don't know. <laughs> now I'm just confusing you guys. So okay, Genesis to Malachi. What's that? Genesis to Malachi is what we know, the Old Testament, yes, and the ministry school students up front say <laughs> scriptures. So Genesis to Malachi is the Old Testament, but oftentimes referred to as the Scriptures, specifically in the New Testament letters and epistles. When the word Scriptures are used, it's in reference to Genesis, to Malachi. But this is also where we find the phrase in the New Testament where it's writing about and talking about the mystery of God, the mystery of the plan of God found in Genesis to Malachi. So now when I open up my Bible, Russian roulette, Ezekiel 18 verse 2, it doesn't make sense because I'm not applying the word for its intent. I'm going there to find something to just bless me in the moment. That's not the purpose of the Bible. 
some of you are shocked and you upset that that's not the purpose of the Bible, to find a, a, a blessing for you for the day. You've received the blessing. You've received the blessing of the promise that God made to Abraham, which was the Holy Spirit. Let's go just to uh, Galatians chapter 3 quickly. Maybe that doesn't excite, that doesn't excite you, that uh, you've already received the blessing because you were hoping it was more than just the poor old Holy Spirit, average. I was wanting some money and some gold and some chocolate and some houses at least. Come on, Abraham had a lot of stuff. Like, can't I get in on some, some of that stuff? Man, that's the problem with the world and the Christian churches. We're not satisfied with the Holy Spirit, God's presence, relationship with our Heavenly Father. We want stuff. We want stuff that is ministering to our flesh, making us feel good. Because our callings and purposes aren't exciting enough. Last week we talked about this. The Christian church is bored, so we have to live on stuff. We have to live by comparison, and complaining, and competition, and all of these things, and, and get more, and, and try and kind of squeeze some more money out of the people so that we can build bigger buildings, and just further feed this, this, this thing called ego. I've been crucified with Christ. Yes, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. But it's a decision that we not just make one day when we receive Christ, but it's a daily decision. Because for the rest of your life, while on earth, you're going to have a flesh. Daily you feed your flesh, right? With some meal, some water. It's needed. So that's one way where you realize your, your flesh wants things. There's things your flesh wants. And we daily need to choose whether those things are important and essential. Food is important and essential, guys. So please have a meal after church. Like Enjoy a meal. If it's good, invite me over. <laughs> and then there are things that aren't essential. But we might have made it essential or covered up as essential because we've taken a Bible verse out of context to stroke our flesh. No one has done this before, I know, so I can use this example. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What would be a good uh, application of that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter this competition. I haven't trained for it, but the prize for winning is really good. I can, I, can, I can win some good cash. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I hope no one else uses this verse because then it's going to be awkward. If everyone is standing on this verse, it's going to be awkward. I don't know how God's going to do that. That's, that's even like a... That's besides the point, but you see like we... we, we that's the problem when we're taking the message of the Bible, we make it something it was never intended to be. Things become confusing. Things become challenging. And we, st we start setting ourselves up for heartache and disappointment. Proverbs says that the hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it's a, a tree of life. So coming back to the promise, because it's linked to that, 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Wait, there's, sorry, I missed this. Um, the second part is verse 14. And so that you can receive all of your heart's desires, money, wealth, homes, and cars that you've dreamed about. Is that not in your Bible? Oh, man. <laughs> that the blessing of Abraham, which is what? That the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. What is that? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is God's desire. This is God's plan from the beginning of time. And this is the mystery that is concealed in Genesis to Malachi. It's a mystery concealed. We'll look at a verse now. So that is Genesis to Malachi, often referred to as the Scriptures. Then we see the Gospels and Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts, which are both primarily recording what was seen. Eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts first see the Gospels of Jesus' ministry, His life, death and resurrection, Pentecost, right? And then the church of Acts, the first church, everything that happened with Pentecost and how the church operated. And there's a whole bunch of that recorded for us in Acts. But both of these are recording the unfolding of the mystery. Right? It's still unfolding and things are starting to make sense and the dots are being connected. For some people at least. But then we see the amazing thing with the letters or the epistles, Romans to Revelation, where they start to reveal the mystery to us which was concealed. They're starting to explain to us what this all means. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1 quickly. Because here in the letters, one of the epistles, Paul beautifully explains to us what this all means. Colossians 1, 25 to 29. And like I said, these things are vitally important for us to understand because oftentimes we go to the Bible and we want to grow in our relationship with God and understanding the Father heart of God better, but we go to the Bible and we don't understand the composition and the message of the Bible. So we walk out of that and we're like, who is God? Like, what just happened? And so it leaves us confused which means that that doesn't cultivate thriving relationship, right? Who have you been in a, in a relationship setting where you have a conversation for like an hour long and you leave that conversation like, what, did, what just happened? What did they smoke? Like, like that, was, that was, I've had many of that now, unfortunately, in the last while. Um, with my brother's passing, like things are just falling apart and like, there's a lot of family drama. Praise God, I get to be uh, a pillar for the family right now. I get to stand strong. I get to uh, be constant to people um, when people are saying horrible things. Um, and I'm not now blowing my own horn. Like, I wouldn't have been able to do this without Jesus, without Him, without your prayers, without your love, your support. So I thank you for that. But people are just falling apart and doing crazy things in Difficult times because they haven't built their lives on the foundation of Jesus. So when life's pressures come and squeezes, whatever's on the inside is coming out. It doesn't mean that they're unsaved. It doesn't mean that they don't, don't have a, a, a relationship with God. 
their relationship with God is just not based on the message of the Bible. It's not based on and growing in understanding continually the composition of the Bible and who Jesus is. And so Paul explains this to us in Colossians 1, 25 to 29. This is the very reason I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant to his body. What is he to the body? A servant. Imagine that. That someone with such status calls themselves a servant to the body. If you, I can say this because, um, praise God, the ministry is set up in such a way that that uh, we, we don't just, the ministers, the, the pastors, they don't come out from the, from the back a green room and like just five minutes before the, the message starts, they skip worship or they do something else in the green room. I don't know always what they're doing while worship is happening. And then they come out and then they, the, the show then can start now. Yeah, I was here second uh, after, after God will packing out the chairs, helping out with setup, and all of these things. And before I was a pastor, I did those things as well. And oftentimes people come to church or to a ministry and they're like, man, I've got this amazing gifting. I've got revelation. I know the Bible. I know the Word. When can I get an opportunity to minister? And I don't tell them directly. But in my heart, I'm like, this is going to be a long while if ever you get an opportunity. Because oftentimes people want to share their revelation, they don't want to serve people. If you don't have an interest to serve the people and to be a servant to the people, you've got no right to stand at the pulpit. Because this was Jesus. Jesus himself let go of all and everything he had in heaven to come and serve you and me. To lay down his life for us. So if we can't follow that example, we shouldn't want the ministry that Jesus had and any of his followers or disciples. A servant to his body, because that is what a minister is. That is what a child of God is, a servant to the people. So that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the word of God. Okay, so what should we be equipped with? With worship and amazing experiences of song and musical instruments, we can only be equipped with the Word of God. Worship should represent and, uh, and, and usher in prophetic declaration of what the Word says and, uh, and what God is inviting us into. But oftentimes, it doesn't facilitate that. People are, unfortunately, and, and this is something we, we've, we've... Let's not go there. <laughs> 26, verse 26. Um, there's a divine mystery, a secret... A secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's been revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every early believer to experience. So for who is it to experience? Every believer. This is not just for select few. And so we're talking about this concept of the mystery. A mystery, a secret surprise. Verse 27, living within you is the Christ to flood you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ. Embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope, filled with the riches of glory for His people. And God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. 
We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become our inspiration and passion and ministry to labor with tireless intensity with His power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being His perfect one in Jesus Christ. So here we find one of the epistles, the, the, the letter to the church of Colossus, where, where Paul is writing about this mystery, which is Christ in you. So this mystery, Christ in you, this message, Christ in you, God's plan, the promised Holy Spirit, was there from the beginning of time. It was just concealed. And so if you go and read and study this out and go to the Old Testament, to the Scriptures with this understanding, you're going to find Jesus in types and in shadows. And then Jesus comes onto the scene the Gospels, and the, the church of Acts is born. And then we find the letters making plain and revealing this message to us, using the Scriptures almost as a textbook and expounding and explaining to them. And so this is the, the beauty of our relationship with God and, and experiencing the Father out of God. We need to understand the composition of the Bible so we don't just run, run to it looking for a blessing, looking for what can I get from God today? What can I get from church today? If you're here to get something from church, I'm trusting you'll receive something. You'll, you'll walk out of here with something. But when we start to experience God and truly experiencing the Father heart of God, we start to realize that He's also calling us to, to a responsibility. Because in a family, there's responsibilities. My sons don't have too many responsibilities right now. But eventually, they'll get some responsibility. Not because I'm lazy. I don't want them to just grow up to clean the house for me and wash the dishes so that I don't have to do that anymore. No, I want them to grow up so that we can share in the beauty of building our house. Have them share in the beauty of building a household that is representing Jesus, representing the love of our Father. And so when God is inviting you to things... He's not doing it because he's lazy and he doesn't have anyone else to do it. He's inviting you to be a partaker for your benefit. Because you were created for this. To walk in his likeness. To walk out the life that Jesus was walking out. Jesus said you'll do the same works as him and even greater works than those. If you look at the life of Jesus, the, the blessing that he was, the, the people that he ministered to. It's something all should desire. And the, the, the empowering to live out that desire is there. The empowering to live out the desire to walk in the feet of Jesus is there. That is amazing. You don't lack anything. You've got all that you need. To go and live out in this world to represent God well. Coming to close, landing the plane with just one example of uh, just wanting to just touch on the Father heart of God a little bit. And this is so important to understand. Understanding the, the Father heart of God, like it's so important. Because oftentimes we, we just see God as this, a judgmental God or a condemning God. or He's, a, he's just 
difficult to appease. He's difficult to have relationship with. Like we, we, we have this misconception and we feel far away from Him. And, and it's such a horrible picture. It's such a horrible idea of who God is because Jesus, and this is an important thing, Jesus perfectly represented God's heart for us. Perfectly. We see this in Hebrews chapter, chapter 1 talking about this. Uh, John also writes about this, Jesus being this express image, Jesus being and representing God perfectly. And Jesus himself also writes about or talks about this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I want to go to one of my favorite passages of Scripture, or technically it's not Scripture, if you've uh, paid attention. I use the word uh, Scripture very generally, but Scripture is specifically Genesis to Malachi. If we use that word uh, as the, the New Testament writers use the word. So we'll go to some verses in the Bible. And some of our favorite verses um, in the gospel. Let's go to... Okay, there's actually two, but we're not going to have time for both of these. But I wanted to look at... Okay, yeah, let's go to Luke chapter 7. We're going to skip John chapter 8 for today. Some, most of you should know the passage of the, the woman caught in the act of adultery. You can go read about it in John chapter 8 from verse 1. It's a beautiful representation again of the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. So Luke chapter 7, 36 to 47. We're just coming to uh, close this. We're going to read it all and then I'll just close with a few thoughts and then we'll uh, stand up and pray. So it says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet um, and behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, what was she? She was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake with himself, and said, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what man of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. So what was she? Now the interesting thing here is, this woman probably knew that she was a sinner. Everyone knew, the town knew, she knew, and yet she had this, this confidence to come and be in Jesus' presence. She knew who Jesus was. And this is very important because oftentimes we allow the things we've done or have not done to keep us away from God. We make a mistake, we have a bad day, and then that night we're like, I can't really chat to God tonight. Like, I'll rather sleep and maybe he'll feel, he'll feel better tomorrow morning and then I can have an engagement with him again. It sounds silly, but I know all of us in some way or another have been there, have had that train of thought, thinking that our sin is separating us from God's love because His love is limiting after all, if we think about it, right? It is limiting. I'm jo joking. I'm sarcastic. There's no limit to God's love. You can't separate God from love. It's His nature. It is who He is. Case in point. Let's continue reading. 
Verse 14, Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have some, um, something to say to you. And he said, Master, say it. There was a certain creditor which had two deb- de- debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See you this woman, I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil as thou not anointed, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to him whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So Jesus basically in layman's terms says here, if you've experienced true love, the love of the Father, your life of worship will show. This woman right here demonstrated radical worship to Jesus. Not because she was perfect, not because she had anything to give to Him. Not because Jesus needed His feet washed or His head anointed. Not because He was smelling bad and He needed some fragrance. This woman radically demonstrated worship because she experienced true love. She experienced what true love was about. She experienced the love of God, the love of Jesus in such a radical way that it led her to worship in this fashion. Now we are, as a ministry, talking a lot about reaching the lost, reaching the unreached, reaching the unchurched. Now, if any one of those things is going to become part of your life, part of your heartbeat, every beat of every day. You're going to need to come to know the love of the Father for you. Because if you do not, you will love little. You will love very little, very cautiously, taking a risk analysis at every corner. What are they going to think? Am I going to lose my job? What if God doesn't come through? What if I don't get to have three meals a day anymore and only one? Life is going to get tough. I might lose a few kilograms and be healthier, but it's going to be tough. I'm joking. I'm just kind of sketching a a scenario. Jesus didn't do a risk analysis when he came to die for us. He didn't calculate like, okay, cool, how many are going to say yes? How many are going to say no? He just acted because He is love. And the invitation is this, to come to know the heart of God, the heart of our loving Father. Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 4. Now I'm really closing. (laughs) Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as beloved sons and daughters. Continue to walk surrendered, to extravagant love of Christ. For He surrendered His life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance. 
You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.